Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to Southampton Football Club. No newsletter for us this week. Instead, it's this bonus pod as we discuss Tuesday nights, sorry, Wednesday nights defeat to Manchester City 5-2 at the Etihad. By the way, if you haven't signed up to our newsletter yet, what are you doing? Get on it. The link is in our Twitter bio. Go there now, bang your email in, and you'll get grade A Saints content into your inbox almost every week, every week that Saints don't have a midweek game. Anyway, Jack, sorry I haven't introduced myself. I'm Patrick Serlis, your host, and I have with me Jack Serlis, our podcast, very own James Will Prowse, ever present this season. How are you doing, Jack? Not bad. It's a way of life, this podcast, isn't it? We're sat here on a Wednesday night, dissecting a 5-2 defeat at the Etihad, but we love it. <laughs> we do love it. We do. We do. We do try and enjoy it, as difficult as it as it has been at times this season. And we will come on to the state of our defending because it wasn't great again tonight. Um, let's jump straight into it then, starting with the team sheet. We had a conversation when it dropped. I thought it was going to be three at the back. You thought maybe we'd stick with the 4 2 2 2 and put Jack Stevens in midfield. I thought that was going to be a disaster if it happened. It ended up happening. Um, something in between the two formations, I guess, but it was definitely the case that Stevens was playing more of a midfield role with Ward Prowse. Um, bizarrely, Ryan Bertrand at right back, Salasu at left back. We were kind of all over the place, weren't we? Yeah, it was just, I saw the team machine. It was just the way it was laid out on um, on the graphic that Southampton put out. I thought we'd stick with the two centre-backs with Benrack and Vestergaard and then Salis who playing at left-back. Bertrand, I mean, I wasn't predicting him playing right-back, but he was there. Um, and then yeah, about Jack's... square pegs in round holes. I mean, that was, a bit of a, <laughs> that was a bit of a shock, wasn't it, to see Ryan Bertrand at right-back, but fair play to him. Fair play to him. I mean, you, you sometimes you see right-footed left-backs, but you very rarely see uh, left-footed right-backs play for some reason. But, um, you know, I thought Salis who, had a difficult game. He was up against Riyad Mahrez, who's in great form, one of the best wingers in the league. And I thought he, it was very difficult playing out of position there. Um, and we've said it time and time again, and we said it on the last week's pod, when Carl Walker-Peters doesn't play, we're not the same team. We don't get the same points. When We don't play as well offensively and defensively. And it showed today because, like you said, square pegs, round holes and Jack Stevens in midfield. <laughs> I mean, what can you really say about that when, you, when you're playing against a Man City team? I've got Gundogan, Fernandinho, Kevin De Bruyne, players like that, and you're, you're putting Jack Stevens in, in holding midfield. You can't really be expecting mm-hmm. much. But I thought, personally, the first half performance especially was brilliant. First 20 minutes when we, when we were you know, playing some really good football, you have to give massive credit to, to Samson there because not a lot of teams go to the Etihad and do that, do they? No, um, and Guardiola, obviously you take with a pinch of salt everything that Guardiola says, um, but saying after the game that we were one of the best teams they've faced at the Etihad this season. For those first 10, 15 minutes, um, we did dominate the ball. I think something like 77% possession. We were playing really well. The press was working. We were popping it around the pitch, which was pretty amazing to see considering we expected changes after the Sheffield United win and Ralph delivered with six. Uh, Walker Peters and Diallo obviously had come back and played 90 minutes against Sheffield United after um, both having a longer term injury. So no surprise that they were rested. Minamino also on the bench. Fraser Forster also um, taken out. Uh, I was wondering whether you thought that maybe he was taken out of the firing line a little bit because we were expected to be battered. 
and rather McCarthy con- keeps conceding goals than Fraser Forster and you dent his confidence because he's actually been playing really, really well. Don't think there's anything to that, but I saw that on Twitter. I thought it was quite funny. Um, Nathan Teller, obviously the star of the show at Bramwell Lane. He was rested as well and Ings out injured. So there were opportunities for some of our fringe players, Nathan Redmond, uh, Gineppo, McCarthy and Stevens. Of those players, anyone stand out for you? Uh, we're just going through them. I thought McCarthy didn't have his best game. You know, I think the reason why he was maybe played today was because he's better with the ball at his feet and we needed to use him quite a lot today. But, you know, that is certainly an area where he didn't excel tonight. He should have given away a penalty. I don't know how Foden didn't get a penalty when it was the ball rolled under his foot and he took him out. Um, Nathan Redmond, another game passes him by where he's done absolutely nothing, in my opinion, just not a threat. Um, you know, the game seems to go on around him and he doesn't really contribute anywhere. Like I said, Salasu, difficult game for him. Jack Stevens did everything you could have asked for a, for a centre-back playing in centre midfield there. Um, so I think there was no real standout performance from those fringe players. I thought Musa Gineppo showed glimpses, but I don't know what's going on with that lad. He just seems permanently carrying a knock or permanently mm-hmm. on the cusp of being injured. And it's, it's <laughs> so frustrating because every tackle he goes into, he comes out holding his groin or his knee and you think he needs to be taken off. So um, disappointing there. Um, yeah, I don't know about you. What did you think? Do you think anyone took their chance, really? I mean, in these situations, you want someone to make an impression where it kind of asks the question of Ralph for the next game for Brighton um, on Sunday. And I don't think that really happened, to be honest. I thought Redmond, this was a big opportunity for him. I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I thought he played quite well, um, but mm-hmm. I guess maybe expectations are low for him. Um I see him as an option for us off the bench. He's an op- he should be an option on Sunday off the bench. Um, apart f- from the rest of them, yeah, I, I think it was a, it's a difficult place to go to the Etihad and play well. Um, and I was just kind of quietly impressed with our first half performance. And we really should have gone in at one all at half time, but lapses in concentration and defensive mistakes again cost us. And when you're playing against uh, a team with as much quality as Manchester City, if you make one mistake, you're going to get punished. And really, they didn't have to get out of second gear to, to open the scoring. Um, we talked about how well we played. And then all of a sudden, they have one attack, got the other end. Ryan Bertrand, a little bit of a sleep, a little bit of sleep um, of the ball comes over the top. And it's 1-0. Yeah, that was the most disappointing thing because having played so well in the first half, you're thinking... Is it going to be a worldie? Are City going to play like four or five passes that slice you open and you concede a goal? And you, you hold your hands up, but the opening goal, like you said, Bertrand just didn't didn't track his runner at all. The second one is awful from Shea Adams. You could tell how gutted he what was. An, because uh, I was just like, yeah, he was gutted. What was there he was, trying? There's, there's literally four or five options for him there. It yeah. wasn't even like he was under pressure or anything. He could have gone back to the fullback, centre-back, keeper, pass in midfield, and he's trying to switch. <laughs> Complete. But also, Head's like, gone. If you see the if you see it again, he's trying to switch out to Salisu, I think, at left back. Mm. Even if that even if he had put it on the money, there was no options around Salisu because he was so like out on a limb at left back. So it was like, okay, he switched the play to Salisu. What's he going to do? He would have been isolated. I think City yeah. would have pressed him, pressed his touch. And he would have lost the ball. It was just uh, just a real head score moment from Shea. Yeah, it was. And you could tell even like players like Wal Prowse were, were fuming straight away. As soon as that goal went in, turning around to him, thinking, what are you doing? We're playing well here. And you just give them a goal. And then the third goal came from that right-hand side of Mahrez. Just too good for us defensively. And then disappointing, I think, that no one kind of you know 
got a block in or put a foot in. I think that was a theme throughout the game where Southampton were a bit hesitant. We didn't really get stuck in on some of the City players, but um, mm-hmm. Gundogan continued his, continued his form, didn't he, and getting in on that goal. But it was just disappointing to go 3-1 down when 2-1 we would have been in that game. Yeah, for sure. And we've done well to to go, when we did go 1-0 down, we've done well to stay in the game and get back into it. I think we targeted set pieces. We target set pieces almost every game, really, especially when Vestergaard's on the pitch. And he caused problems for them winning the penalty. I don't think there was any disagreement about that being a penalty. I think you're right. The Phil Foden one, well, we got very, very fortunate there that that wasn't given. Um, and James Ward-Prowse sticks it away. I think that is seven, uh, seven goals and five assists for him now this season. Having, I think it's fair to say, his best um, his best season for us. Eight goals in all competitions. I think that's his highest tally um, in a Saints shirt with plenty more games to go. So he'll be targeting double figures for sure. Obviously, a few of them penalties and the majority mental, of sorry, kicks, was, but it's it's a great achievement for him. It is. And you talk about rotation with these Saints players and resting players that have come off of knocks and stuff. The man plays 90 minutes every single week. It's, it is mental, yep. isn't it? And I, I also think you have to put Bertrand in that category as well, which is pretty impressive that with all the rotation... You know, he seems to be playing every single week and he's at a, you know, he's a lot older than James Ward-Prowse and it's maybe because we don't have the options to rotate it, but I do think it's impressive that these these players are playing 90 minutes. It is. Let's carry on um, a discussion about the defending a little bit because it really was uh, disappointing to when James Ward-Prowse does make it one all. you just want to stay in the game. Um, we had made a lot of changes, as we said, that impacts us. We've now conceded... Uh, at least three goals nine times this season. Um, and we conceded at least five goals three times. Obviously got the Manchester United game, the Manchester City game today, and the Spurs game, our first game um, at St Mary's. So it's, it's a problem, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but we go into these games now and I think most Saints fans feel the same. It's let's just not concede a, sh- a shed load. And... I worried when we went one 0 down. We we went one all, and I thought we'd, we'd, we're in it. But then to concede two goals in quick succession—that's what happens to us. That's mm. why we do concede five goals. That's why we do concede nine goals. Because when things go wrong for us, teams score against us in batches. And Man City scored two right before half time, and two pretty soon after half time. They just score in bunches, and it gets to five, and you're worried then, aren't you? You are. And I'm just looking at our results this season. And there was, I do remember quite clearly, there was a spell in the season. I'm just looking at it now. Fulham, 0-0 away. We, West Ham, we played them 0-0. Liverpool at home, 1-0. We lost to Leicester, but then we got a clean sheet against Shrewsbury and then another clean sheet against Arsenal. So in in spells this season, we have been very solid defensively. It's and been we strange, have got, yeah. It's been really strange. So like that period over Christmas time, we were so solid and we were like not giving away any chances. And then other spells were shipping goals, like you said, mm. week after week. And it seems to be that, that we're in that spell at the moment and it is because we haven't got players 100% fit. But there definitely is a lack of something on the pitch with the personnel that we've got. I think that the final goal for City, the Kevin De Bruyne one kind of summed it up. It was a... You know, a half-arse tackle on the edge of the box that's just flicks through a defender's legs. And I don't think those City players will score an easier goal this season. You come up against a lot of teams that will really put a foot in against them. And, you know, 
put in like 110% tackles in and get, you know, you know, really go for it. But I think Southampton kind of stand off a little bit and that's where we need to work on, I think. Yeah, we do. We do definitely stand off. It's kind of like the mentality is almost like somebody else will sort it. Mm. Um, and I wanted to say, obviously we've already mentioned the chain mistake, but since Hasselhoff's first game in charge in December 2018, only Newcastle have made more errors leading to Premier League goals than Saints. It's 18 now. Um, and if you shoot yourself in the foot in the Premier League, you're going to pay the price, especially when you're playing the top teams. And that's ultimately, I think, what happened. Um, let's talk about Che Adams then, positive side of things, because he did get another goal. He also had one ruled out correctly um, for offside. A really good finish, I thought. Um, the one that was disallowed. Not an easy finish against a very good goalkeeper. Um, does he look more confident to you? Obviously scored against Sheffield United, fantastic goal. He does seem to go hot and cold. Are we, fingers crossed, about to see him go on a hmm. hot street? What did, what did Ralph call him yesterday? Was it a ketchup bottle? Did you see that? No, I didn't. No. I think that was his analogy. He said, Shay's like a ketchup bottle. You go a while without anything and then loads come out. <laughs> and that's what he's talking about, his goals. But I do think he's got, he looks like a, he's a massively confident player and he looks like he's confident at the moment. The one that got disallowed, the one that you mentioned there, was prime Thierry Henry, wasn't it? <laughs> Just open his body up into the far corner against Edison. Um, but it's desperately needed. We're not a team that scores loads of goals at the moment and we need our striker firing. The goal against Sheffield United was top class. Tonight was a different goal. It was it was almost similar to the one that he scored against Sheffield United at the back end of last season where the ball kind of fell to him and you know he tucked it away. He didn't have to think too much about it. But I think there's the game's coming up. There's opportunities to put a little run together. And, you know, he's got six goals this season. If he gets double figures, that's a massive improvement on last season. And we've got to remember that. I don't think Shea was signed as an immediate, you know, 20 goal a season man. But if you get progress on last season, which I think was four last season, you know, he's on six at the moment with some, if he gets to 10, four more goals, which I definitely think is doable. Definitely mm-hmm. think it's doable with our fixtures coming up. And that's a massive improvement. And, Maybe Gareth is watching. Who knows? Shane, no, Shane, no, Harry. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, I think you want to, do you want to talk about the fact that he maybe looks a little bit better without Danny Ings? Is there, do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, that's just something that I was thinking watching the game. Like everyone knows that Danny Ings hasn't been on his best form since recently, and maybe Shadow feels a little bit more of the main man when Danny Ings isn't playing and the ball kind of drops to him a little bit more and he doesn't need to make the runs to take away defenders so that Danny Ings gets space. It's more get the ball to Shea in the area and get him in the dangerous areas. So I just think it's an interesting point. Potentially, you will see a different Shea Adams while Danny Ings is out for these next few weeks become a more prominent role. And if he is scoring goals, then you know, it's, it's a great option to have. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think it's... It's something that we don't. Well, I haven't seen enough yet to to be able to say for sure whether I think that um, he's he plays better without Danny Ings. I think Danny Ings is is obviously our on form is our best player, and he makes those around him better as well. Um, I just don't think we've quite seen them um, click in terms of their goal scoring form. At the same time, I think it's possible. I've got to think back earlier on to the season when we were talking um, and we were excited when we were kind of up 
towards the top four, how well those two were playing together. I don't mm. think we should forget that, that earlier on in the season, they did look like they were they had a nice partnership going. It just happened that Danny got injured and Che went on a run of 16 games without a goal. Um, and that's the environment that we're discussing them in now. Um, I think they're both good players. I think they have complementary traits as well. Um, Danny is obviously a lethal finisher when given the chance. That's not really Shea's game. He's more instinctive. Um, I think they have complementary traits. I think they can play well together. Um, but this, you're right, is a huge opportunity now, especially with the fixtures we have to come. And Ralph saying that, that, that Danny is not expected back um, until after the international break at the earliest. That should give um, Shea Adams, uh, he should be thinking, this is my chance now to to uh, to go on a bit of a run and to get some positive, um, to get something positive going. Did you want to mention Ralph's quotes after the game um, today at City because I thought they were interesting uh, and and you flagged them to me? Yeah, just saw on Twitter him, him say, um, "I don't know a lot of teams, and this is what Pep told me after the game: who come here and play football like we did." Yes, we didn't get something from it, but I like this game more than parking the bus and still losing. And to me, straight away, that obviously sparks the debate. You know, you see you see Pep on the sideline giving Ralph hugs and they're chatting in their pally. He's probably the ideal opposition to come to the Etihad and try and play. And it's almost a pat on the back, like, well done, you gave us a good game, we beat you 5-2, rather than Sam Adelaide coming. Put in fifty, put in eight players at the back and shit housing a one nil win or a one all draw, and obviously I'm not saying I want Sam Adelice at the club, but it's a results business, um, and I just think there's there's different ways of approaching games of football. I much prefer watching Southampton play the way we play, but I just think it's interesting when we do go to those bigger teams and we do try and play their their game, but we so clearly don't have the personnel to to pull it off over 90 minutes. It's just a bit of like a, you know, a pat on the back. That's how I see it. When when we get this kind of praise, it's like, well done, you tried, but we smashed you. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Yeah. It's the classic, the, the, the quote I mentioned at the start from Guardiola, it's quite classic Guardiola um, saying, saying that kind of like really lavishing us with praise when really he's just had the perfect 90 minutes for his team really. Exactly. Um, he's, yeah, I remember him doing that before with when he gave that kind of on-pitch team talk to Nathan Redmond saying that Nathan Redmond's a much better player than just trying to run the clock down and he should be looking to win, we should be looking to win the game as, as Southampton at the Etihad and it's like he's he's got his own agenda and I don't really buy into his, don't take his words with too much, um, well, too seriously, to be honest. I, I think there's a, I get what Ralph's saying and I get what you're saying. I agree. I would rather go into these games and give it a go and ultimately we're limited and we're not good enough to do to do that. That's I don't think it's too much to ask to not get beat 9-0, <laughs> which is the downside of when you yeah. go to these teams and you do kind of are uncompromising in your principles and you stick to them even regardless of who you're putting out on the pitch. Um, you put yourself in danger of getting absolutely smashed. And that's happened to us too frequently. So I don't think it's too much to ask to, to say to Ralph, look, I, I like the style of play. We like the style of play. Can we just be a little bit more pragmatic when we go into some of these games? Um, it doesn't have to be one thing or the other. There, there can be a, a medium, a happy medium, I think, where yeah. we we are, yeah, just a little bit more a little bit more pragmatic. But for sure, I agree with him in the sense that this is our way of playing. And to be honest, in his defence... 
our way of playing does cause these team problems. You're right. In some areas, we don't have the players that are good enough. But on the other side, it's like it's just basic, basic mistakes that we make at crucial times that cost us massively. And it's like it must be very, very frustrating for him because he's putting players out there that really shouldn't be making these mistakes, but they do. Um, they do make these mistakes. And and it's just that's what's ultimately, I think, um, a, a significant factor in what costs us in these games. But, I, yeah, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be conceding five every time we go and play these yeah. top teams. Yeah, it must, like you said, it must be infuriating for him because that game plan in the first half was working. We were drawing one all and we were playing well and it's just a, it's an awful mistake with that crossfield pass and then they've gone two one up and then they've gone three one up. And I agree with you. I do like the way we play. I think we've seen the other side of approaching games a little bit when we had Mark Hughes a few years ago. Yeah. And there were, there were a few games, I remember one clearly, when we went to Anfield and it was almost like we literally didn't turn up. I think they beat us three or four nil just didn't lay a glove or anything didn't even try so yeah I'd much much prefer to go and try and play a bit of football but I agree with you there has to be a medium where we go we're going to stick to our game plan but we're going to tweak it slightly because we don't want to get open up and concede five goals final final question on the game or final point on the game I wanted to mention you tweeted out during it was Ibrahim Diallo that came on you were impressed by him what in particular impressed you the way he beats players, the way he beats players, he's he's quite small, but I think that he's got such a quick turn of pace and he drops the shoulder. There's just a few instances where he's got the ball in a tight position and you're thinking there's two or three City players around him cutting off the angles and he'll drop the shoulder and he'll go past Fernandinho or go past Gundogan like they're not there. And for a 21-year-old to be doing that in his first season in the Premier League, I think it's it is exciting to see what, where he can go because I think a run of games in that midfield alongside Ward Prowse, you just... You, he has that bit of quality that you think on the ball, he's better than a lot of other players. Yeah. And Southampton have missed that. We, we kind of tried to sign a player in that mould in Mario Lamina that has got that on the ball, on the ball quality, but obviously hasn't worked out at St. Mary's. Um, but I think Diallo has got everything in his locker to be top, top midfielder. Yep. Um, final thing then, before we wrap up, looking ahead, basically, um, if you'd listened to the pod before, you will know that we are now approaching a run of games where we flagged um, several, several weeks, well, several weeks ago, if not months ago, that this would be the defining um, kind of few games of our season. It starts with Brighton on Sunday, and then we've got the Bournemouth FA Cup quarter final, followed by Burnley, West Brom, and Palace. So, four huge Premier League games, one massive FA Cup game. How do you see it going at Brighton? They're, they're a team that creates chances but can't finish. Mm. Um, they are a team that a, a lot of people that watch them talk about expected goals. They're expected to score a lot more goals than they actually do. Do you think they represent dangerous opposition on Sunday? 100%. 100%. They're fighting for their lives down there. They're on the same points as as Fulham. So they you know, can't really so afford a defeat. Us, isn't it then? Seven points from seven points gap. Um, we can really make a big statement on Sunday. We can make a massive statement, but I think for Brighton, they they can't lose that game, and I think they're going to go there. It's one of their biggest games of their season, um, and I do think they've got they have got players to hurt us, and they've got you know the also the physical side of their game with the massive centre backs and Dan Byrne, who's the tallest left back I've ever seen, trotting up for corners. Um, so I do think it will be a tough game. Um, 
but I think it's good that we've got the week's break in between Brighton and Bournemouth. So Ralph is not going to be thinking about resting anyone. It has to be full strength against Brighton and we have to go for three points. And then we've got until the Saturday after for that huge FA Cup game. And fingers crossed we get through the Brighton game with no more injuries because if we go into that Brighton game and we've got players like Diallo, if we go into the Bournemouth game and we've got players like Diallo, Walker-Peters, Stuart Armstrong, all 100% fit, and we've given off a massive chance of ending the season on a high. So fingers crossed we get the three points on, on Sunday on the BBC and we kick on the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what I was trying to say earlier without saying it very well, but it was just like the season really still feels like it can go one of two ways and this is what's going to define that starting on Sunday followed by Bournemouth um, a week later and then those three Premier League games um, they are all big, big opportunities for us to win the season on a high. They are, but they're all playing teams that are potentially could be battling down there. You know, you've got Burnley who are not out of it and then West Brom who, depending on the games between now and then, that could be absolutely massive for them. So huge, huge end of the season. Right, that's enough from us. Thank you very much for listening, Jack. Thank you very much for joining me. We will be back um, on Monday morning reacting to that Brighton game. We'll see you then. Nice one, mate. Up the Saints. <laughs>